0: Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
1: Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR me. ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... (laughs) We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, joined by Matthew Collar, uh, known as Hubbard Visitor Matt today, and uh, Judd Zolgad from 1500 ESPN. Nobody will get that except the people in this room, but I don't care because I liked it. We are back uh, on the eve, I guess, uh, several eaves, before the Vikings close their off-season program with their mandatory minicamp this week. uh, Starting on Tuesday, Tuesday to Thursday, is the Vikings mandatory minicamp next week. And this week, we saw Mike Zimmer back on the job after his two-week mandatory mini-vacation, I suppose we could call it. Uh, He was, of course, down at his ranch in Kentucky, letting his eye heal after his eighth operation on his detached retina. He came back this week and said, you know, looking back on it, I did some more research, and I probably should have taken it more seriously when this all first surfaced. Now, my question is, he talked about moderation, um, and I I think it's, it's one thing to do that in June. What do we think that looks like for him once we get into the season? And uh, what did you guys make of Zimmer saying that, yeah, I probably should have played this a little bit differently?
0: Well, I guess my first thought was, we tried to tell you. You should have listened to the podcast. (laughs) I mean, there were columns written about it. There were tweets. There were podcasts. Uh, There were radio interviews. Everybody who had ever had this done, this similar procedure to him said, look, this is a serious thing. You don't want to mess around with it. And it was kind of a product of his football mentality, his hard-headedness. I think his background of taking so long to get a head coaching job that he's not going to let a little eyeball get in his way. But that's not like a a knee or something where – you know maybe you'll just hobble around a little like this is a it was a really serious thing, and a lot of people probably tried to tell him that, but that's just how football coaches are i think, and in the long term, it's ended up costing him, and I think it's something that we are going to focus on throughout uh this season and in the progress of his eye and and I still think. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the updates are, but I know from anyone that's talked about this, it's not something that goes away, and it could be a serious issue, and I just don't see him backing off at all. This offseason, he said, no, 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 I'm taking on the offense now, too. I'm going to be working a lot more with the offense and not doing any less with the defense, so I'm going to do more work this offseason season." It's really hard to buy that Zimmer will do more delegating, even though I think with the coaching staff he has, he could definitely do that.
2: I think he is at the point now where he is uh, trying to deduct what is the best way to make the conversation go away. And by telling people what they want to hear, which is, well, now I've had the epiphany and I get it. That makes people stop asking the questions until I see him actually do something, though, proactive. Perhaps if he has a ninth surgery, don't go right into the office to grind more film or something. I'm going to think that what uh, what he said this past week, Ben Gessling, was largely lip service because he knows it's the one thing that will, for now, make people stop asking him.
1: Well, it's going to be, I think, a question just because he had the surgeries last year, and he has said that there is, I think the words he used were high likelihood that this happens in his left eye as well. So it, it's, I don't think we've heard the last of this. I mean, in terms of whether it's going to affect him. and The story, and I, you mean, itself? Yeah, just the I'd issue. I mean, with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, oh, yeah. It's, I, not I mean it's not going to be something that no. I don't think it's going to be like a hot talker on sports talk radio unless something happens again. What I mean is I'm not sure that medically he's done with it. But I do mean, you think I, he gets it? See, I, I'm dubious.
2: I think he knows that his answer this week makes us think, oh, he might understand now. I, until we see something different from him, though, I, I am skeptical that he truly gets
1: it. I, I think it looks different in the regular season, especially when you begin your year with a Monday night opener and a short turnaround before going to Pittsburgh in week two. I mean, that does not lend itself to moderation at work I oh, mean, with that kind of a schedule.
0: I think get a hint, though, from the organization that maybe all the way up top, they're going to force him to relax a little bit with how much pressure he puts on his eye and at least in the off season they took advantage of that opportunity to send him back to his ranch and allow him to just watch film and text players and be involved that way but I think at some point there had to have been a meeting or a conference call where someone said all right we've got to take this out of his hands (laughs) because if we don't We're not going to have a coach that can see and be on the sideline and we're going to have more surgeries and we're going to miss games and things like that. So I think that what they'll try to do, whether it's Spielman or whether it's the Wilfs or whoever it might be at the top, they're going to try to monitor this a lot closer than maybe they did. I think that they probably thought, all right. Well, he missed the one game, and now he's back, and we'll just trust him that he's going to take care of this in the right direction. And they found out, no, 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 he'll just continue to watch film 12 hours a day and hurt himself even more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I, I do think the fact that they made him take the time off is encouraging, just because if left on his own, I think, you know, we heard him say it. He said it was a forced situation, and he wasn't, I mean, he got asked this week was it worth it? He said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, if it works, then it was, and if it didn't, it wasn't worth it. That's the best like, quote well, to me, though.
2: That's the telling quote. I'm not Basically, sure that the, the that's, even, not, that's not the answer. Though. Yeah, like the not sure answer the correlation is, there. Like, the answer should have been, yes, I needed to get away. I'm going blind in my right eye. Instead, he's like, well, yeah, if it works, great. And if it doesn't, I I still think in his mind he's going to grind through this, and it's just eventually going to disappear. Yeah, But I'm with you, Gessling. I don't think it's going to. And to Collar's point, the really scary thing is he's clearly been told that we might get the right eye cleared up and you might have problems with your left eye. This is not a good place to be in a profession where if you're completely healthy, it's still a bad job.
1: Yeah, it, it, there's not a lot of work-life balance in any aspect of the NFL, certainly not uh, for a head coach. So, yeah, that that is going to continue to be an issue, uh, I I think, on some level. I mean, it, it's going to always kind of be there. You're always going to wonder about it a little bit. Yep. I mean, kind of like when, you, when you've when you had coaches, you know, Gary Kubiak, when he had some of his heart stuff, you're always wondering a little bit, oh, okay, is this going to be an issue that pops up again, and when is it going to pop up? I mean, that that's always the thing, too, is that this was the time for him to get away and, and try to um, shut things down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Easier to do that in June. Mm-hmm. when your schedule is not being dictated that much by other teams. Just quick, too. I mean, on,
2: on a big scale of this profession, Bob Stoops just quit. Bob, yep. Stoops, Bob Stoops is not even 60 yet, and Bob Stoops clearly – he didn't quit necessarily because he's sick, but clearly he quit as a proactive means because the job eats you up. Thad Mata just got let go. He's 49 years old. Yeah. I thought Thad Mata, until I saw his age, I thought he was 60. I mean, this is – and. Zim 61. This is a lousy job. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a job where if you're 35 and completely healthy, and there's not a physical thing wrong with you, within two years you're fatter, and and something's going to start to go wrong. It's almost like you're not w- as
1: healthy. You, when you look at pictures of presidents, yes. uh, how much their hair grays in the in the span of eight years. I mean, certainly Barack Obama, w- we saw a lot of that. I think George Bush, mm-hmm. you, you saw a lot of that too. I mean, two guys that obviously. Had a lot to deal with in their respective presidencies, but uh, I mean, I mean, you look at, coach, at pictures of coaches sometimes, and you see that too. And, and we see all of these these players starting to retire because, well, I, I want to take care of my health, and I made the money I need to make, and the concussion thing scares me. And you almost wonder sometimes if you see if you will see coaches doing that too, just because it's like this is not. I mean, every piece of research you see about how much time you're sitting, how much importance there is in getting a large chunk of physical activity every day in terms of how much you're staring at a screen, your diet. I mean, none of that stuff is going to be helped by the lifestyle of an NFL coach. So, you, I mean, you wonder if as we get into maybe a younger generation of coaches that has had a little bit more of that research Instilled in it and, and understands a little bit more about the importance of all these things uh you I mean you wonder if, if you'll see coaches that are you know now just getting into it when by the time they're fifty fifty five years old they say you know what I've had enough
0: I think of the sleep too i yeah, mean yeah,
1: or lack thereof
0: it. <laughs> This is supposed to be an uncomfortable thing. Everybody who's talked about it has said it's uncomfortable. You're not supposed to move. It's hard to sleep. I mean, these guys are already staying up till midnight, waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning, so they're sleep-deprived and all the other things that you mentioned. And that would uh, generally put any human being in a bad mood. But I think that there were indicators from players that the bad mood from Zimmer Really affected the way he handled the collapse last year, yeah. and that's the biggest question for me. It's never been can Zimmer design a defense? Can he break down film? Can he be creative? Can it, th- all those things? I think we know on the defensive side, and uh, I would guess that he's gone out from what he said and done research on the offensive side and come up with some things too, because he's a really smart football guy. But when things started to crumble last year, they fell apart and they didn't have, I think the leader that would have been there maybe if his eye was okay. And he was at hundred percent health. Uh, I think some people indicated that. And I wonder this year It's not. Do they have the team that could make the playoffs? It's how will they handle when things get a little tough? Yeah. Because right away, it's not going to be easy. Looking at the schedule, it's the Saints right away, and that is on the big stage, right? And that team's got Drew Brees. They're going to be tough and a motivated running back and a motivated running back. And then uh, you go right to Pittsburgh, right? Is is week two? Yeah. So I mean, that right, right there is a really tough week three and. I mean, that is a very difficult start. Tampa Bay is a team that has improved a lot over Mm -hmm. the offseason. We were talking about this last year, right, when they got through the first three weeks. Like, wow, it was pretty good. But, I mean, you could – be one and two at that point and how are you going to handle it because with the rest of the schedule you could still work your way through sure but if you're one and two and already you have a head coach who gets tight who you're right. right is getting tight and going kind of reverting back to being who he was last year if he's still battling the eye injury too then i mean you're talking about a, a pretty tough situation there so he's got to be very careful i think in this off season to make sure that that as much as he can. Is not part of the problem because it's stressful enough if you go one and two, you know, and have to face those tougher teams right away.
2: And I don't think a sixty-one-year-old guy who's been coaching forever in some form can all of a sudden be like, you know, what I am going to do in two thousand and seventeen? I am going to peel back, I am going to delegate more. Those people always. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I'm
1: be Phil Jackson,
2: yeah. And as crazy as it sounds, guys, the old school uh, theory on life was if things are going wrong, I am going to work more. And that's what Mike said last year. And Zimmer did that last year and it didn't help. But I don't know if in one year now that he can just change that and be like, you know what I did? I shouldn't have done that. So I'm very curious to see uh, if as Collar just said, they start one and two, oh, and three, I don't see him saying, okay, I got to pull back. Now I see him saying, I I, got to grind more and more and more. And it's much different, of course, to tell a guy in June, Hey, Mike, take some time off, Mm -hmm. go away. But if you're 0-3 in September, hey, Mike, dial it back. is going to be met with, hey, Rick, bleep you. And now all hell breaks loose. So that's a good point.
0: I thought last year that we did get a window, and I don't know how much of this meant to Zimmer, but we got a window into the fact that they can handle it if things went wrong with, with him or that he could delegate some of these things. I mean, George Edwards has been a defensive coordinator in the league before, and that was the... Cowboys offense that was arguably the best offense in the entire league. Yeah. And they shut him down for the most part. And if not for an Adam Thielen fumble near the goal line, they probably win that game against Dallas. Yeah. Mike Prefer did a great job handling the clock. In fact, I kind of thought maybe you should let Mike Prefer handle the clock all the time, right? <laughs> like, I we mean, we talked about that this week. He, he did a, a great job a at the I... end of that game, yep. right? Yeah. And so you've got competent people. And I think that there's a natural sort of thought. I'm the one that worked so hard to get here. I'm the one where it took so long to be the head guy, to fulfill my dream. I want to make sure I control every single thing. But these are also people around you who have, who are taking the same path, who are at the highest level. And maybe sometimes you have to trust them to be able to do their jobs, especially since we had a little window into the fact that they could.
1: Yeah. I mean, when Mike Briefer was flying, uh, Navy helicopters off the coast of Somalia in the early '90s, uh, dropping um, amphibious troops there, um, and then flying back to his base in a helicopter. You're I, saying I,
0: football doesn't make him nervous? I, not so much.
1: No, I, I think he could probably handle the clock uh, after having done that. And I think he—I remember talking to him a couple of years ago about some of this stuff where he was—he saved a guy's life. Um, seeing a guy, they were, they were making a run. And they saw, I think, a ship that had had. Uh, Capsized and, and save somebody in the middle of the the Indian Ocean, I believe it was, and uh, uh, he talks about that as like one of the things that, uh, one of the memories that gives him the most joy in life. So I, I think when you when you're in that kind of situation, oh, come on, running the a two minute drill is probably uh,
2: sprinting down the sidelines. That's <laughs> where the joy is.
1: <laughs> that, that would be that would be the football guy answer. Would bust it? them loose. I, my point is I think he can handle the clock. so But yeah, I, I would agree to an extent that there, I think, probably is a tendency for anybody when you've worked this hard and waited this long to get the thing that you want, it's okay, now I'm going to do it my way. And I, and I think that's been one of the things that Mike Zimmer has probably done the best is coming in saying this is the type of team we're going to be I, I think he had a very... Fully formed idea when he got the job of this is how I'm going to do it. This is how we are going to operate. These are the things that are going to be important to me. That said, I think delegating, I mean, if there's any way to sort of create moderation, which he talked about this week, delegating is probably uh, the the way that would be the easiest way to make that happen. Yeah,
2: I, I think the most important thing, though, is, Ben, you're right. This story is probably not done
1: yet. The most important thing is that I'm right. You're right about that. This story is
2: not – this story is not come – I mean, hopefully Zimmer takes care of himself. But all of that being said, I think the foolish thing would be to assume that, okay, he's fine, eight surgeries, it's done. I think the thing is this is going to – it's certainly going to creep up probably in some way, shape, or form during the course of the season. Yeah. And at that point in time, it is going to be interesting to see when things are far more intense than they are now how he proceeds from there.
1: Yeah, we need to get Dave Harrigan to – uh Clip that little piece off of there so that when he, when you guys want to drop the LaQuan Treadwell soundbite, you can also no, I did drop this that one. You, by the way, a no, that's I, I know who did it.
2: As a guy who's mispronounced Boudreaux and Treadwell myself, I'm not.
1: I'm yeah, not guilty. No, in, in, insult oh, me you. at your own peril. Exactly. Right. Uh, moving Longer. on. You're like an elephant. Uh, Hubbard visitor Matt wrote a piece this week. And speaking of insulting at your own peril, um, about the the ten most intriguing. Players in the last phase of the offseason program here. The Vikings, of course, going into mandatory mini camp next week. Matthew, who do you got in terms of guys that we should keep an eye on? Guys that uh, for whom this could be a pivotal week, uh, guys that can make an impression going into training camp in five, six weeks, whatever it is from now?
0: You know, before I answer, I'm going to have to check your badge to make sure your, so you're supposed to be in here. It's not on. That's bothersome. It's supposed to be on. I don't on. know what you're talking
1: about. It's around my neck, as it <laughs> always is. Has been for hours. It's
0: not tight enough. Uh, okay. Yes, I made a little list. I decided since it's you know the football off season that each week I'll just make a top ten, and maybe we can discuss them on the Purple Podcast. So I'm glad this is working out. Uh, so this week so I the decided first one to go
1: discuss. I mean, better late than never, I yeah. guess, but.
0: uh Hey, I just thought, you know, if you want don't be to, modest. I don't want to try to push it down your throats. There's stuff you guys so want to waiting. talk about. Okay, look. We're talking about just my list, and list. we're doing <laughs> it right now. Just give us the Come list. Come on, Letterman. <laughs> give us the top ten. All quit right. Be, quit being so shy about it. You have the index card. You can throw out the window, too. I always loved when you did that. So here is my, uh, here's the way I did it. I did the most <sharp> most interesting Time Vikings. Breaking. It's great. And the way we I was thinking of it is the Viking players... That people will be most interested in the fans, the media, like to read about their progress or their storyline. Stephen like Wetherly plays like seven instruments. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Are okay. we talking that kind of thing or something On else? On the football field. Should, All right. we, should we let you talk? Focus, guest. Line. So we don't,
1: no, we don't get the derail these like we used to do with Kramer. I miss that. Focus. All right, fine.
0: You know what I need is one of those uh, multi track recorders. So when he's talking trying to mess me <laughs> up i could just go back and edit and delete those parts so no one has to hear it oh no, no and then no. i could just plow through That's all point. right so it adds to the
1: spirit of the thing
0: here's what i got for 10 most interesting vikings mm-hmm. bucky number H- 10 bucky hodges is number 10 mm-hmm. because bucky hodges is gigantic and fast and was drafted in the sixth round for a reason i can't wait to figure out which one of those things is right number nine trey wayans Only who knows nine. if he's that good he's a first round pick we'll see Number eight. Daniil Hunter. He was a beast last year and I want to see how beastly he will be this year. Or if he or if it was a fluke. I don't know yet. Number seven. <laughs> Laquan forget. Treadwell, no, is any of like it goodness. real? Is any of the offseason talk? for real with Laquan Treadwell number six Michael Floyd what will Ooh, happen with Michael Floyd will he, he, higher on the list. will he stay on the straight and narrow this year and become a huge impact player for the Vikings or will there be problems number five Sam Bradford fun with this yes uh <laughs> will he earn himself a contract extension etc cetera, etc cetera, many Bradford other podcasts number five he is only number five. Oh, yes. boy.
1: This this leads to many possibilities for the top four. So let's get to it. Number four.
0: <laughs> uh, Xavier Rhodes. Contract year for Mr. Rhodes. Elite season last year. Will he maintain that level of play? Number three. Anthony Barr. Is he going to bounce back? No one knows. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> it was left open. That was an ellipsis. Uh, Delvin Cook. Mm. Second round pick. Mm-hmm. In part because of some off-field issues. Could he have be the steal of the draft? Number one. Teddy J. Bridgewater yes. is number one. What's his middle name, actually? Edward. Teddy E. Bridgewater. That's you say. Ted Ed Bridgewater. Is easily the number one for me. Most interesting Minnesota Viking this year for many obvious reasons, but watching his progress from week to week to see if he gets back on the field, if he's back at full strength, if he can retake his crown from mr sam bradford all of those things will be fascinating so even though he may not play he's still the most interesting viking all season with all due respect where is
2: potential starting nickel corner mckenzie alexander on that list see okay here's
0: why here's why it was Mackenzie alexander isn't that interesting to me because he's either gonna work out or not i mean what's the rest of the story it's like if he's good at it, then he's good at it. And then he's there. If he's not, then he's not. And, oh, they'll, re- a, and they'll replace well, him.
1: Well, no, but he's going to be second play- round pick that they missed on. But
2: he's going to be playing a position. Yeah, he's a high draft pick. If he's not good, uh Newman might have to play there. He might not be great. If Mackenzie Alexander bombs, boys, I think we got a chance to savage. <laughs> we got a chance to, I, seriously, I mean, you go from Captain Munnerlin, yeah, who is a starter and very good at what he did. And we've seen this movie before. If Mackenzie Alexander bombs here and you're going Breeze, Roethlisberger, Winston. Yeah. Oh, we could. We could be a quarter in. We could be annihilating them for this.
1: <laughs> if he's good, great. Sports Grinch is getting very. Excited. Oh, I
2: would be. No, seriously, that would be. If he is not. If he is not good from day one, if they have to piecemeal this position together, we're going after him. Well, the this thing can be pretty. The
1: thing is, people if, will lose their jobs if you put Terrence Newman in the slot, and he's played there some. I uh, played there a little bit last week. You are then counting on Trey Waynes to be your left cornerback, which he showed flashes of last season, and I think you eventually need to see that, and you know, I think you'd expect that by this point from a guy you took 11th overall, but we don't have any concrete evidence that he can be the guy on a full-time basis, and, and Terrence Newman, I think, in that spot, I mean, Terrence Newman is, is in good enough shape and a savvy enough cover guy that I don't worry a whole lot about it at age 39, but... You don't really have a lot of depth behind that if Mackenzie Alexander isn't part of the mix, because then you're you're awfully thin on the outside, and uh, injuries at that position are going to happen at some point.
0: Yeah, I think for my most interesting, I was kind of left with, do I pick Wayans or do I pick Alexander? Because the defensive backs as a whole are one of the most interesting position groups to watch all the way through training camp and whether Alexander's getting it. How they're using Newman is interesting, too, because he came back. I don't see him playing as many snaps as he did last year. And I also wonder, I mean, there's always a wall that every guy hits, no matter who it is. Is he going to hit that wall? Is he going to continue to play as well as he did last year? So I, I do agree with you that it, that's a storyline that we're all keeping track of. The, I think for some of these other guys, what this one doesn't have is it It lacks like another element to it. If he's really good, then he starts and you feel great about it. And Zimmer's a cornerback genius. And if he's not, they'll shuffle and they'll figure out how to play a different way. Maybe Xavier Rhodes, if you've got a really good slot receiver, ends up tracking them, you know, all game and following them around, shadowing. I I guess I look at it like, yeah, that's something we're we're watching. But with some of these other guys it has an extra element to it, like a like a contract or a long term thing. Trey Wayne's is kind of a long term thing because he's a first round pick. So if he proves that he can play this year, then you've got it locked in maybe for a long time. Two corners that are excellent. But if he can't, then who's going over there? after this year or even this season are you going to rely entirely on Newman if, if he struggles do you move Alexander out there if he struggles that's why I kind of think Waynes is a little more interesting but it's a good nomination
1: the the quarterback situation is uh I mean it's going to continue to be a question it's going to be continue to be an issue until one of two things happens either Teddy Bridgewater is ready to come back and be the starter or Sam Bradford gets a contract and it more or less puts it to bed. I, I suppose they can structure the contract in a way that it doesn't. But yeah, I am going to be very intrigued to see what happens with Bridgewater as well. I, I would have put him at the top of my list as well, simply because we're still in somewhat uncharted territory here. I mean, you know, you have a guy that is is trying to get back from an injury that we haven't really seen a lot of quarterbacks come back from. Probably haven't seen a lot of quarterbacks have to deal with in this fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he does during training camp is certainly going to be a big storyline, and rightfully
0: so. The reason I had Bradford at five is because I don't think he's actually that interesting as a player. I think he kind of is who he is as a player, and they've put a little more around him, and they might get a little more out of him, but I think we know who Sam Bradford is. Some of these other ones have kind of intrigue, even with Teddy Bridgewater, like We think we know a lot about what Bridgewater is at his peak, but we didn't get a chance to really see it. So we've got that question in our mind in a way of, well, could Bridgewater be much better yeah. if he comes back yeah. 100%? I don't
2: think we think we know that much, though. I mean, the one game that, that we had to go on last year in the preseason was the, was the Chargers game where he played really well. Uh, but I think there was a, there was an expectation or feeling that Teddy Bridgewater was going to turn a definite corner, and then his knee blew up. So I don't know that there is that much given about what we think we know about him. I think we know our expectations were high. Right. That's
0: what makes it and interesting now it's to a me.
2: reset. Yes. Uh So. Here's a question for for you guys. In a year where we're going to go into a, a season offensively where they're going to give Sam Bradford every component for this to succeed. He's got two new tackles. The offensive line has been remade largely. He's going to have a different backfield, which should be able to protect him and also catch more passes.
1: His guy is the coordinator.
2: Yes. Um, is there an argument to be made that at least should be sniffed around that his receiver depth chart should be Diggs, Thielen, Floyd, and Decker because, you, because there's not enough confidence that so Laquan Treadwell – is going to be that good? Do you give him? Do you even explore the option? You of want
1: Eric Decker? Three Minnesotans in the top four. I'm
2: asking <laughs> so provincial. I'm no, I'm not, and I don't care that he's a white guy. I'm asking. I'm asking <laughs> I if say anything about this it guy, white. I said if he's a white guy. This Minnesotan. guy being available is it worth exploring?
1: Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style
0: lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue
1: Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold, PB Army, ASAP.
2: Or do you guys think the Treadwell's going to be fine? I'm not buying that, but I'm not out there practice not, on a daily basis. I'm not sure I'm buying it either. But or does what it not is matter? To Decker you?
1: at this point, I guess. Well, is the here's question. my thing.
2: Here's my concern. My concern is Diggs needs to prove he can stay healthy. If he can, he's very good. I think that's a given.
1: Decker was hurt last year too. I think he was. He was, he he was in, on my he, fantasy he team. Played and three, he played in Got hurt three early. games.
2: My bigger concern is this: it's Floyd. Floyd comes in here on a lark that he's going to do that he's going to be healthy and going to keep his nose clean off the field, but you don't know that for sure. He's got a problem and this problem can rear its ugly head at really bad times. I'm just asking the question, is it worth exploring Decker to see what you could get him especially if the Jets decide they can't
1: trade him and they release him. I mean, he has been very productive when he's been healthy. I mean, you know, a guy that has caught uh at least seventy passes in the last four seasons. He has been healthy. He's caught eighty passes at least three times. Double digit touchdowns at least three times. Uh, yeah, I mean he, you know, he's only thirty years old, so I mean maybe you take a look at it, but uh I guess I don't get the a great sense that they're going to.
0: I don't think they will, no, but I do think they should. Because anytime you can pick up more talent and you've got the cap space and it's not going to cost you a lot long term, I think you should just do it and not worry about, well, there's only one football. Yeah, but dudes will get hurt. I mean, I don't know which one of those guys will get hurt or get in trouble or whatever else might happen, but somebody will. And I think last year when that happened, you ended up with Jarius Wright playing a lot. Treadwell was in games where you couldn't throw him the ball. And basically the other team didn't even have to worry about him out there on the field. I mean, what was it, the Dallas game? He played a bunch of snaps and just didn't even look his direction. So the more depth that you could have, plus, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a trade-off for if you were going to bring in Decker, then maybe less of the tight end. I mean, last year, a lot of catches for Kyle Rudolph, but very few of them were big plays or impact plays. And Eric Decker has that capability. Red zone guy. He has the size. He has the red zone ability. And that's a place where the Vikings have been bad for how many years under Mike Zimmer? And maybe part of that would inspire them to throw as opposed to running out of the eye form. You you know what else you do?
1: I'm just intrigued. That's all I'm saying. You trade for Decker, add him to the mix, and then you go make a, a call out west to the Arizona Cardinals. Bring bring Larry Fitz home. Oh. We got Fitzgerald. <laughs> we got Floyd. We got Decker. It. We got stop Thielen. We got high school stars. We I got just think D2 college Collins stars. Right. We got famous Collins Gophers. That's right.
2: Someone's going to get hurt, and... Michael Floyd, very much so has, provincial. Michael Floyd very much has signed a contract that's let's see what you can do contract. Mm-hmm. So if he succeeds for you, great. And if he doesn't, it's not going to cost you that much. I'm just saying that there's a pretty good wide receiver available. And if I'm this team and I'm giving Bradford all these components, I'm at least intrigued. There's
1: a pretty good wide receiver available. There's a potential future Hall of Famer out in Arizona. Maybe he's a good mentor. He's Fitz, played with Michael Floyd. What's want not to here. like? You
0: know, the one thing I think about with uh, adding another weapon is just what Washington did last year for Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I have never believed Kirk Cousins is all that good, but they, had they like have a lot of six, weapons. Yeah, they had like six guys sure. he could throw to but at he, any point. But He got
2: protection right from yeah. the offensive yes, line, he and did. he had guys he could throw to. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. Possibly the best left you're, tackle in the league. You're giving Sam Bradford every opportunity to say, "Give me a contract." Yes, that's what you're doing. And uh, Eric Decker, if you added another wide receiver with his capabilities, would be part of that. And and I'm with you, Collar, in the fact that. this team could use a big red zone presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kyle, I mean, Kyle's not bad, but I don't think he's fantastic. I don't think he's great. I I don't think he's the type of guy who you look at him playing tight end and say, we don't need anybody
0: else. If you gave me more opportunities to have four wide receivers on the field and take Kyle Rudolph off and Rudolph ends up with 40 catches as opposed to 80, I think you're better off.
2: And once again, if you are truly, if your ownership truly wants you and thinks that you can make a championship run, then you don't say, well, Treadwell might be okay. Yeah. Now, if it's just a year where you're going to go 500 or 9 and 7, then that's fine. But if this is truly your year with aspirations, you don't say, well, he'll be okay, we think. And if
0: he's not, well, if he's not, you're in trouble. And I do think that there's evidence. That this team gets convinced on guys and then doesn't add because they're convinced. And I will use Rashad Hill as the example for that. Raynaud Hill? Raynaud Raynaud Hill. Great Um,
1: puck-moving defenseman for the Canadiens in the 1970s.
0: Anyway, um,
1: (laughs) Rashad. All sorts of inside jokes that nobody will get.
0: Rashad Hill. Rashad Hill. Plays one good game in a glorified scrimmage against the Chicago Bears with people hanging from the ceiling, with, right? With uh, mild distractions of people protesting hanging off a giant. I banner. didn't watch
1: half that game because yeah. I was out covering that your coach protest.
0: Is, your coach is going blind. You got people hanging from the rafters. At one point, Pets heads are falling off. I looked down on the field and had no idea who the quarterback for the Chicago Bears was. <laughs> oh, I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, Barkley was in the game. And then there was someone else Was David Bales in there maybe? The Uh, guy that tore the Gophers up? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, And it's like, okay. Uh, But the point just being that he was going up against the Bears team that wanted a higher draft pick so they could move up and take their guy. Uh, They didn't want to win that game. They didn't play hard. They had a bunch of backups in. Their injured guys were all put on IR. And, yeah, it's nice that Rashad Hill gave you a good game there but that doesn't mean you shouldn't add another tackle. If there's one out there in free agency. And yet here we are, that would make me lean toward, well, Treadwell looks better in practice. So we don't need that one other wide receiver. But even if he does look better in practice, even if Bradford trusts him in gym shorts more, that doesn't mean it's going to happen when they get out on the field for the game. So, uh, they have the cap room to trade for Eric Decker. It would make things a little hairy, but not impossible. And he is a tremendous player. I mean, maybe there's some ego going on for who gets the ball, who gets this many catches or that many catches. But if you had Decker and Thielen on the outside, inside, so many on the Minnesotans
1: it will be fine. They'll yeah, all that's to true. Each other.
0: But Decker and Thielen on the outside and Diggs on the inside with Floyd mixing in, I I like the look of that.
1: It'll be like the the, the guy trying to pass the, the $20 bill to the friend for gas. Like, oh, yeah. no, no, you yeah. take it. No, no, fine, you take it. And they keep passing it back and forth, try to like, hide it in each other's wallet or something like that when somebody goes to the bathroom at the restaurant, whatever it is. You could also make a trade uh, for Max Williams if uh, if the Ravens have given up on him. They probably haven't quite yet, but uh, need another target over stop. the middle of the Just field. stop with it. I mean, You're not you taking know, this
2: seriously. A very serious personnel conference. You know what? <laughs> this is what Rick does. This is where Rick... Rick does the same thing. I, I bet he starts joking around in the personnel meetings when guys like us are trying to be serious. And this is why the Vikings have one playoff win with Rick.
0: <laughs> Rick, stop joking around so, so and were start you, taking it seriously. So but I don't even know Ben because I, I'm not sure what's been happening here over on your side of the room for the last ten minutes. it uh, makes two of us. Are you? <laughs> are, but are, are you for the Decker idea or not for the Decker um,
1: idea? I I am for it. I, I tend to look it's at these. Sons. I tend to look at these things in two ways. Um, what they, what I think they should do and what I think they will do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, yeah, you could take a look at it. I don't think that they will, however. I would I, agree I, with that probably.
2: Yeah. But I think they definitely should consider it. And I think if they think that they're set at that position, that is a assumption that could be very incorrect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, you know, it, it certainly could.
2: I mean, that, well, that group is not... Diggs worries me because of health. Yeah. Treadwell because I'm, you know, I mean, you beat... Xavier Rhodes in a shorts practice and OTAs. When when Rhodes is going into a contract situation where he ain't going to pull a hamstring, right. and I don't blame him. And Michael Floyd could be really good. And Michael Floyd could have problems again. And yeah. if he does, he's eliminating himself. And he's like done. right. So, yeah. But, I mean, I just I don't look at that position and say it's set. I look at that position and say it could definitely be supplemented. And I don't care who you draft it. Judd
1: looks at that position and says, get me some more former Gophers.
0: I mean, there's a handful of positions that they have. Well, Isaac Frichty,
1: too. Yeah, if, Another Minnesotan for you. If yeah.
0: we if True. we do get into a situation like Go for hockey under Doug Woog. This is no, a... Uh,
1: outside of Minnesota, we're not getting
0: them. Well, let's say we get into a situation where this is a team that is struggling to make the playoffs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ten weeks in, and they're four and six. Just just say. I think I'll look back at this offseason. Get me, tonight. Zach Center! I will look at the back at this offseason and say, you should have signed some former Gophers. Because there were former Gophers. Or no, St. Thomas but, Tommies or but, St.
2: John's Johnnies. I give I me Billy
0: Turner. May, hey, Mankato, one for one with yeah. Mankato, guys. Yeah, I will look back and say. Joe Hag now. If there's an injury to Anderson Dejo, and they're getting burned with Jack Tocho or whoever else. J. Ron Curse, Anthony Harris. That's like a bad. Then Tocho. I w- I will look back and go. Well, there were a handful of corner safeties out there, defensive backs, or if Riley Reif or Mike Remmers gets hurt and you've got TJ Clemmings in there again, or something of the like, and you're getting burned off one of those sides, then you'll look back and go, well, Austin Pastor was not signed for a really long time, and you never know the background. Maybe he's got an injury we don't know about. Maybe he wanted way more money or a starting position somewhere else and decided to hold out, but... There were other players that were out there that could have been signed for depth, if you just you know gave them a little money or maybe didn't believe in guys that it was foreseeable that you shouldn't have believed in them. That's what I'll say if we do end up uh, running into some of those problems.
1: Speaking of problems, uh, the I think. Judd, you guys were talking about this on the radio this week. I thought you
0: were going to talk about us getting in the building.
1: No, I was not going to talk about that. People
0: are tired of that storyline. Gessling's not not even wearing his ID right now.
1: (laughs) It's around my neck. I don't know what you're talking about. That's cool. We'll just tell some You guys talked about on the radio this week. (laughs) Hubbard visitor Matt. uh, Yes, sir. The top ten quarterbacks in Vikings history. It is not an illustrious list. What got you guys into this conversation, and uh, how did you rank them? Uh, Well, my partner...
2: Philip likes to talk about uh, Sam Bradford quite a bit because yeah. Sam Bradford obviously is the focal point of this football team right now and a big key to their success. So uh, for our pecking order on Tuesday, I did it, and Phil's suggestion was you should rank the top ten quarterbacks in Vikings history, and I bet you I bet you'll be surprised that Sam Bradford could actually be close to being on the list. I've watched this team since 1978; it's been in existence since '61. And I, I thought to myself, oh, I don't know about that. I think you're reaching. But I'll go and rank them. Uh, and here's – Phil was right. The list was more underwhelming than I could have expected.
1: It's not good.
2: And and But here's the thing about the list. I understand that if you were to ask any team to rank 10 quarterbacks for the most part, you're not going to get 10 Hall of Fame type players. Some teams you might. But most teams you won't. But what's more amazing to me in doing this list for a franchise that's been around since 1961 is number one with a bullet, and he would be one through five if you could do it, is Tarkington. I mean, Tarkington was here from 61, and then he was traded after the 66 season, came back in 72, and played through 78, and really in a large way reestablished the way that we thought of the position with the scrambling and his passing stats and all that. But after that, it was – the top ten was – a collection of interlopers.
1: I believe the phrase you're looking for is woof.
2: It was a collection of non-developed players. I'll just give you my 2 through 10 then, and this is where I was just amazed. Number two on my list that ended up for me to be easy was Dante Culpepper. Now, Dante Culpepper was a very good quarterback for a short time, and in 2004 had an MVP-type year. He was drafted by the team in 99 with the 11th pick. Nonetheless, I was amazed that he was Two on the list without any debate right. from myself. It's not close. It's not close. Number three for me was Brett Favre. And this is where we start with the hired guns and the guys who have nothing to do with the history of this franchise. Brett Favre was here for one great season in 2009 and played at parts of the 2010 in which he was old and the team was awful. Number four on my list was Tommy Kramer. Who was, I believe, a first round pick out of Rice, and he might have been the first first round pick the Vikings had among their quarterbacks after. Uh, in fact, he might have been the first ever first round pick at quarterback by the team in '77 because Tarkenton was Tarkington was like a third round, a third th- round picker, fourth rounder. Yeah. Kramer was four. Randall Cunningham was five. Warren Moon was six. Brad Johnson. Who was drafted in the ninth round, a round that doesn't yep. even exist now? Was seventh. <laughs> Johnson was here from ninety-two to ninety-eight. Traded, and in fact, Culpepper was drafted with the pick the Vikings got from the Redskins for Brad Johnson, and then returned for two unremarkable seasons. Wade Wilson, who was he, an eighth-round pick in eighty-one, and was here till ninety-one, and his most Wade Wilson was here his, for 10 And years. is remembered. Wade Wilson, gentlemen, is remembered. His most memorable pass was dropped by Darren Nelson yeah. at the goal line. I think it's he the was eight. Joe Cap, who led the Vikings to the Super Bowl in the 69 season and was here for 67, 68, and 69, was nine. The old-timers, very upset. But Joe Cap, keep in mind, threw um, in, in his career with the Vikings, 37 touchdowns and 47 picks in 40 games. Rich Gannon, I put 10, and and Mackie and Dave, our producer, came back and said, it should be Jeff George. And, of course, Jeff George was here in 1999. It's one year. For one season. Right. So... The exercise boggled my mind and it's
1: by ten I was just reaching. You could make a case that Bridgewater should be ten. I mean that Bridgewater could be on there now with two years. But how
0: about that for an underwhelming list of quarterbacks? Even if Sam Bradford is the same year, he's probably on the list. Probably. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. We have to do we had a, a project coming up here in the near future at ESPN where we are ranking the top five quarterbacks in our, our franchise history. My list is pretty similar to yours. It's the same five names, just in a little bit different order. I went Tarkenton, Culpepper, Cunningham, Favre, Kramer.
0: So you guys are both dinging Favre for just being one season, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was two, but one good one and one that was yeah, a one wreck. One, one, one well, I mean, season. I put him yeah.
0: three. I mean, it, it amazes me. I put that Cunningham guy, in front of him.
2: It amazes me the guy who made his living beating the Vikings, uh, certainly for a, a time period. Is number three on the Vikings list. And the only reason why one also
1: lost a lot of games in the metronome.
2: Yeah, he did. And but one I put I put Kramer for because Kramer was here for a long time. Kramer's problem is that he didn't have an extended playoff run. Uh I put yeah. Oh you yeah. Kramer owned the 494 strip. There's no question about it. Um number three was Favre on my list because he was a hired gun who came in for an entire season mm-hmm. and did it. Cunningham came here in ninety-seven as a backup. And Brad Johnson got hurt in '98, and Randall then got the job. But don't forget the shortcoming to me with Cunningham was he fell apart eventually in the '98 title game against the Falcons, five to two against the Saints. The issue for Cunningham was he came back in '99 and was a complete mess. There was
1: no bounty on Cunningham.
2: And Jeff George got the list. So anyway, I was just the exercise astounded me because it was so. As I put in the headline of the story I wrote about it, underwhelming. Yeah. Underwhelming.
1: Yeah, it's very lean.
2: But of course, you come from Buffalo. But at least Jim Kelly. <laughs> yeah, what would be well, the top yeah. ten
1: for the or even the top five for the Bills? I mean, Kelly. You would, you would have to go Jack back. Kemp,
0: Jack Kemp, Joe Jack Ferguson. Kemp. Kemp. Yeah, yeah Joe are Ferguson. probably your top three. Okay. Jp Laws, uh, the top, no, probably no, you would have Doug Flutie. Flutie would be the top five, right? Yep.
2: Now was Floody how, how was he in Buffalo? I don't
1: remember.
0: He was. He was once. good. Yeah. He, the last well, playoff game was Flutie. It, wasn't it? it was, Well, It was quite a interesting thing, and I imagine with Twitter around what this would have been like, but uh, so Rob Johnson played week 17 to just rest Flutie and rest starters, yeah. and he had an outrageously good game. He went something like 20 for 23 with 300 yards, something he like that. He was
1: definitely in the Guess the Crappy Quarterbacks game last year. He was, I think for yes. Jacksonville.
0: He played for a couple after Buffalo, like many of the other Buffalo quarterbacks. Sure. And then the owner basically put down the hammer and said he wanted Rob Johnson to start the playoff game instead of Doug Flutie because the second half of the season Flutie, they'd kind of caught on to him a little bit and he wasn't escaping the pocket as well. So then Johnson leads what should have been a game winning playoff drive. It was uh, brilliant. He was rolling out of the pocket, making plays come back when it would have been. And then music city miracle happens. And Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie, it all goes down the toilet. They tried to bring in Drew Bledsoe, who would be the next on the list, I think, after Flutie. I think that would make out your top five. Career because... passing
1: yards for the Bills is Kelly, Joe Ferguson, Jack Camp, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, gosh. And Bledsoe. Oh, gosh. Flutie is six. Yeah, Fitzpatrick or cannot be. The Vikings be on the list. isn't as bad as I thought.
0: But the Bledsoe thing was amazing, too, because one year. He got extremely hot in the second half of the season. They got to Week 17. All they needed was a win against a Pittsburgh team that was sitting all of its starters. I believe Brian St. Pierre made an appearance in that <laughs> game, and the Bills lost with Drew Bledsoe. Sure. At, I think it was also at home to a team where Brian St. Pierre played quarterback, and Willie Parker ran all over them. They missed the playoffs and have never made it who has, since then.
1: Who has the best top ten list, do we think?
0: Hmm.
2: Well, the Packers have to be up there because you're going to have, in some order, just starting off with Starr and Favre and Rodgers, as in through the years. And see, but they're so – okay, but Favre and Rodgers have essentially been the starting quarterback there since 92. Right. So, like, for them, I'm not – I wouldn't even say that you have to get to 10 because you've had such an extended period of greatness. Like, with the Vikings, what amazes me is it goes Tarkington and then Culpepper, who's a homegrown guy – but only played here from
1: ninety nine to two thousand five. See, for sheer depth, I don't think I would have put the Packers number one.
2: How's P- How's Pittsburgh's with uh, Bradshaw and Roethlisberger? And you've had some That's pretty good it. quarterbacks oh. there.
1: Tommy Maddox in between. Neil O'Donnell. I would have yeah. put the Cowboys. The Cowboys won the. Staubach, Romo, Aikman, Don Meredith, Craig Morton led them to the Super Bowl. Uh, Quincy Carter. Quincy Carter. Uh, yeah, well, well, Danny White. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was going to say the Cowboys well, went yeah. Staubach. Danny White, who by the way also punted for them for an extended yeah. period of time, if I'm not mistaken, and actually did both at one time. Can you imagine? Can you imagine now? Bradford Gosh. gets done three and out, and then he drops back to punt. Stay on the field. Um, yeah, the Cowboys wouldn't be bad. San but, Francisco. But once again, we are talking about extended periods of of a quarterback, yeah. which the Vikings have with Targington, and then after after 78, it's just like if.
0: What happened? If Kaepernick had turned out to be the quarterback that many of us thought he was going to be, yep. then you would have gone Montana, Young, Sean Hill, and then Kaepernick. I mean, he did get 49ers the 49ers. is really so.
1: good. Yeah. It's, Let's hear
2: Well, in terms of passing yards. Because it was awful before. It's not good before Montana. Right?
1: Well, it's Montana, John Brody, who was there forever, Okay, Steve Young, Jeff Garcia, Y.A. Tittle, Alex Smith, oh, yeah. Colin Kaepernick, oh. Frankie Albert, Steve Deberg, Steve Spurrier is their top ten all time in passing yards.
2: Right, so there's some great strength in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's well, hey, what, there's two this hall one? of famers and then a lot of depth. The, the Dolphins, look up the Dolphins. That's Miami probably pretty good too Cause you're well, going to Bob ha- Greasy. Yep, Greasy Marino.
2: Marino.
0: I would say the Colts it? probably uh, have a case Don Strock. Uh, the Colts with yeah, Unitas. Unitas, you're right. But even in between, they had Jim Harbaugh, which is not completely. We are
1: way in the terrible. weeds of off-season talker. Miami right now. Dolphins, though. Craig
0: Erickson. That's a good one too. No, <laughs> is a good one. Craig.
1: Uh, Dolphins top ten in all-time Don passing Strzok? yards. Give me a little Don Strzok. Uh, he is in the top ten. Uh, they those early '80s teams that almost went to a couple Super Bowls, or I guess did go to a couple Super Bowls, and lost. Uh, had some some names. Uh Marino's won, one, of course. Bob Greasy. Ryan Tannehill is third all-time in passing yards for them. That's a strike. Just because of the eras. Jay- <laughs> well, it's a change in the eras, though. Jay Fiedler is four. Chad Henney is five. It falls this, pretty hard yeah, off the this table. This yeah. David Woodley, who I think David Woodley, yeah. either went to a Super Bowl or that famous playoff game against the Chargers. Uh, Don Strock is seventh. Chad Pennington. Okay, never Matt Moore. Gus Farad. Ones.
2: This one's not very good. Gus Farad. Poor Gus Farrat. Gus Farad's been on every single team. Who are we forgetting? Is there anybody else that, like Kevin Bacon? I mean, Six degrees of Gus Fring.
1: <laughs> Roethlisberger and Bradshaw in Pittsburgh. I don't know if there's anybody else. Collar's
2: not wrong. Colts are a good one. Baltimore, yeah, Bert Indy, Jones. That's a good one. Manning. Jeff
1: obviously. George
0: was so bad for the Colts.
1: Harbaugh oh, has a couple good. Years. Harbaugh took talking about the Super 35.
0: Bowl. Yeah, yeah.
1: And that the was the game Captain against comebacks. Has,
0: Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had yeah.
1: hail mary that almost came down the mm-hmm.
2: end zone. Has anyone had as many mercenaries? Oh, though yeah. as yeah. The, the Vikings. Vikings. Has anyone had the amount of mercenaries that the Vikings have had? I mean, you been a lot. You took your you took your best friend's wife. I've got the answer. And and it, she played for you in two thousand nine.
1: They've had a lot of success with mercenaries. I mean Denny Green always talked about it was the system. I mean we didn't even mention like, like Jim Clapton McMahon George who Harrison. took him to the playoffs. Moon we obviously said. Yeah, Jeff George. I mean there's a lot.
2: You didn't hear my comparison. There. Well, Clapton not, and, and George here. Right, Har- oh, taking uh, we
1: yeah, George's taking George's wife, Patty or yeah,
2: Linda or Patty Boyd Harrison yeah. went and shacked up with Clapton because he fell madly in love.
0: This is like Favre. We stole him. I've got the team that has as many mercenaries. Okay, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. They, yeah. mercenary central. Yeah. This was their first-round first, first round draft pick since, what, like the 80s or something with a quarterback? I mean, it was like a yeah, long time. since uh, this Todd list, Blackledge, probably. This list is all mercenary guys. Trent yeah. Green, Alex Smith, Elvis Gerbach, Matt Castle, Steve Bono. Joe Montana. Joe Montana.
1: It's like, hey, 49ers, you got a quarterback you want to send
0: us? And uh, Rich Gannon was there. Yeah. Dave Craig was also there. Those are all guys who were good somewhere else and then took okay. their last That's shot good with uh, Kansas City. That's a good one. That's a great so,
1: one. Indianapolis is top 10 in passing yards. This one, it's pretty good. I mean, it might take the cake. Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, Andrew Luck is your top three. Now Luck yeah. pans out. That's as, as strong of a top three as anybody. Burt things. Jones, Jack Trudeau, Jeff George is six. Jack Harbaugh Trump. is seven. Yep. Uh, Mike Pagel is eight. Earl <laughs> Morrill, who actually started Super Bowl III, yes, inexplicably. Did. Uh, and Marty Domris is number 10.
0: I have a question for you. Fault
1: off a little bit, but
0: who do you think's the worst quarterback ever? Like that played, <laughs> let's let's put it this way, that played more than one season. So it wasn't just like Tyler Thigpen just came in cuz someone was hurt and they were tanking or uh Jimmy and he played for a year cuz they were trying to lose. Someone who played several seasons. That was just abominable, and their team stuck with them, and who knows why.
1: The name coming to my mind is recency bias, so I'm not even going to mention it.
0: I, no, you can't. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't be able to but tell I'm you. I'm in a tunnel. It, it's, but I wouldn't it's, be able to tell you in the 70s who the worst quarterback of all time was. So yeah, I would just have I mean, to go with ones be I've seen. got
1: some just terrible... What sports crunch? You probably got a, a longer memory on like some just well heck. I mean, I could I could. The Packers had some bad ones. I David could Hunter attempt
2: and... to answer that question just on the Vikings alone. As far as the worst quarterback ever, I would need to give that a lot of thought. I mean, in this league, Spurgeon Wynn? Well, the Vikings.
0: He didn't. He didn't really. Play, Spurgeon Wynn didn't though, play enough. Well, actually, the one that actually, the name of you know, was who on would my have mind a fight Ponder,
2: and, sh- and I was going to say Ponder would have if you were to do that. Ponder would have a fighting chance uh with Tavares Jackson. Tavares Jackson was bad. Yeah, he Jackson was. and they kept and he played long enough, Matthew, cuz they kept giving him chances, much like Ponder. Um Here's my question. Worst Jordan ever Harrington? start by a Viking quarterback. Josh Freeman. I was Spurgeon Win in yeah. Green Bay or Tavares in Green Bay in 2006. Tavares got into a game against the Bears. At the year he was drafted. Was completely unprepared. Admitted in the post game locker room, I was not prepared to to do that. I didn't. I didn't really should. I shouldn't have played. And then started the next week. I think it was like a Thursday night game or something weird against the Packers. Oh, in was Green it Bay. awful. Wasn't it all it was, rainy. It was terrible. It was terrible and Roycey wrote a column. Patrick covered the game and wrote a column saying this is the worst start I've ever seen in Viking history.
1: Spurgeon winning, but that was Packers pre-Josh Freeman '96, right?
2: No, that was 2001, right? Because it, it was a terrible the end. game. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, but anyway, then Josh Freeman—that might be one of the worst starts of all time in this league. Oh my gosh, that I mean, he literally was throwing the ball into the stands. <laughs> it was unbelievable,
1: and and the fact, that, the fact that the fact is that is—I've had a couple conversations with Leslie Frazier about that game. He actually thought—I mean, because we've all had the theory of like. Okay, is this a is this a you know a middle finger to the people that acquired Josh Freeman? Saying hey, you want to see him? I'm going to put him right. out there. He said no. I I thought he had a good week, and I wanted to see what he had. It's like which speaks to oh, how boy. awful you were. Yeah, I think. I mean, I mean, you were desperate, but yeah. yeah, my gosh.
0: I think there's a good argument. The first couple of names that came to mind for me, one I had to pull up his stats, and it it confirms. I think Rick Meyer might be the worst quarterback of all time.
1: Yeah, he he's awful.
0: He started 68 games. Notre Dame, right? 68 games and had a quarterback rating of 63. That's in an era where passing was starting to come around. From the 93, he played his last game in 2003. He started eight games for the Oakland Raiders and had a 64 rating in 2003. I think he's the worst quarterback ever. And the reason I thought of this is because I saw a story from about Christian Hackenberg that he's hit several media members with passes. I heard that in sto- I heard that practice, this morning on Mike and Mike that his throws have been so off that he has That's actually Freeman. hit people in the media standing there watching
2: practice. That's yeah. what Freeman was doing basically the night at Giant Stadium.
0: He was he was hitting fans with his passes. Let me read you Rick Meyer here. This is a guy, this is a guy who started sixty eight games. He went twenty four and forty four, with <laughs> fifty touchdowns, seventy six interceptions. Yep, he averaged five point nine yards an attempt, which is impossible. Well, I mean, you could just throw screen passes underhand, and you would get five point nine yards per attempt. He only averaged one hundred and forty nine yards per game and a 63 quarterback rating. That's the worst quarterback ever.
1: So I'm looking this up on, on Pro Football Reference right now. I, I put in quarterbacks that have started at least 50 games since the merger. Okay. Uh, approximate value, uh, there are 151 quarterbacks, I believe, that are in the list. Um, Chad Henney is actually at the uh, t- tied with Dave Brown, the old Dave uh, Brown, the Giants, Giants quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. I believe that yes. succeeded Phil Simms. Yeah, uh, those are at the bottom of the list. Mark Malone, uh, Bob Avellini, Tim Couch probably oh, Tim, should have been Tim on the Couch. list. Yes, Tim uh, Couch. Mike Pagel, him. Joey Harrington, who is another name I thought of. Myra is in the Gosh. bottom ten.
0: Joey Harrington. Myra is yeah, Myra is like eight actually, from the bottom. Vince Ferragamo, Vince Young,
1: Josh McCown actually is low.
0: Dave Brown has a slightly higher quarterback rating than Rick Meyer. What is Dave Brown's career quarterback rating? It's 67.9, and his stats and stat line are incredibly awful too. 60 games, 26 and 34 as a starter, 58 touchdowns, and, no, 48, 44 touchdowns and 58 picks, 6.3 yards per attempt, and a 68 quarterback rating.
1: This this list of, of quarterbacks that have started at least 50 games on, on the approximate value, there are 151 of them, like I said. Actually, number 122, Sam Bradford.
0: His career before this year not, was not great. abominable. Not great. It was really That's bad. A downer right there, it was ben, really was bad. Big down. This is I mean, an interesting
1: yeah. list. Namath is number 119.
0: Well yeah, but think well, about Fame, But the era and But he's massively overrated though, right? I mean but the Namath. I,
1: and this is probably I suppose this is taking Namath's post merger stats, But it's also too, taking so best but, years were pre-merger. But keep
2: it keep in mind in the sixties and seventies, the picks are uh, yeah. yes. out of this world. I mean, Joe Cap had ten more interceptions in three years with the Vikings than touchdown passes, and at that
1: time it was very much accepted. But with Bart Starr is like five more touchdowns than interceptions, and he was like I will say this game manager. Speaking of Hackenberg and
2: him throwing passes that that are drilling reporters at the Jets practice, the Jets' collar got your plan down perfect right now. It's a good quarterback draft next April. Uh The Jets are the Jets are doing everything that the Vikings should have done in 2011 to basically say, you know what, screw it, we're getting one of those quarterbacks, and we're probably going to get the best one. That's what you do. You're going to tank. You tank.
0: Well, but yeah. the, yeah, the Vikings. I mean, you would have Andrew Luck right now. It's interesting. The Vikings. Quarterback problem would be yeah. non-existent. Yep. How Thanks, often Joe have Webb. the Vikings ever been in an opportunity to do it or, or in a position? They were. To 2000, do 2011. They were. Yeah. But they were in the position. All they have
2: to do is lose to Carolina. Graham Gonneau, I think, right? Yep. Missed a field goal that would have won the game for Carolina. And then you win the stupid game that Peterson gets hurt in. Yeah. All you had to do was win. Because you legitimately beat the Cardinals that year. That's your one win.
1: Yeah. Well they uh, But that I, goes to your complete plan. That game against the Redskins the where Peterson got hurt, I remember <laughs> they they played the Redskins the next year. The Redskins of course had RG3 and and it was the one time that I've ever heard Leslie Frazier give a next question. Mark Craig from the Star Tribune asked him. And Frazier said it kind of in jest, but Mark asked him, you know, do you ever go back and think about if we'd lost that game, you know, maybe where we'd be in terms of what we would have gotten for a quarterback and and Frazier just goes, come on, Mark. Next question, please. And, and Mark kind of joking, like, you're finally an NFL coach. He actually gave a next question. But he he thought it was silly that you would try to lose that game, but... You know, if you did,
2: there were reporters downstairs. You could have
1: the, given away so many draft day, picks. Even if you don't take RG three, you could have gotten a ton of draft picks.
2: Peterson got hurt on Christmas Eve. Yes, in that game, and and, and there were reporters down there basically telling Les, "What are you guys doing? You know, what the hell? You won that game, yeah. and he could he not was have been fired ha- up about. He it. could not have been happier. You've lost your running back at that point, and at that time, you don't know for how long. And you just basically forfeited your chance to get Andrew Bleep and Luck, who we all know was a generational quarterback. Even then, or even
1: if you stick with Ponder you have a boatload of draft picks that you trade back when the Redskins try to move up and take your number two pick instead of the Rams. Sure. Well, we have gone deep into <laughs> the weeds here, and we will uh, probably be a little more focused next Jets week once smart. the Vikings get done with mini-camp. For the Sports Grinch Judge get and for Hubbard visitor Matt, I'm Ben Gessling. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.